Happy Thanksgiving week, friends. And we're so grateful that you've taken this opportunity to set aside time to join us in worship. It is crazy to think that we're wrapping up our conversation about the heart of worship, and we're actually beginning to prepare to lean into Advent together. You know, I know that for many of you, as you anticipate what Thanksgiving is going to look like, um, there may be a little bit of anxiety for you or disappointment, um, because the reality is for a lot of us, things are going to look different. Um, but it is our prayer for you that you are able to find a space of gratitude, um, that, you are, that your heart would be refreshed as we connect and worship, as we allow the living water that Jesus is to just wash over us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, and to refresh us. Let's hear these words from John 7 as we prepare our hearts for worship together. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, for those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Friends, the good news for us is, is that Jesus has been glorified, and so the gift of Spirit is here with us and in us and wants to flow through us. May you receive these words as an encouragement, and may you be free to worship Him with abandon today. Let's worship together.
That's our prayer and our desire, that Jesus Christ would be magnified in and through us every day, in every circumstance, in every season that we're a part of. That's part of what it means to live out of a heart of worship. 
in the scriptures, we read all kinds of reminders that everything we have, all that we know, is from God and to be used for his glory. In fact, one scripture says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. In the book of Romans, we read this, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It was in the 1600s that an Anglican bishop named Thomas Ken penned some words that the church has sung for hundreds of years as an expression of this heart of worship. The words are simple, but they also convey deep meaning. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here and below. Praise him above, you heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. What makes that simple prayer all the more meaningful is that Tom Ken used to press his lips up to the walls of the Tower of London where he was in prison for his faith in Jesus. And he would sing this prayer over the city so that people below would hear him praying for them and praying for God's glory to be known in every circumstance. And so whatever you're facing today, whatever your season or circumstance is, out of this heart of worship, we're gonna pray this doxology back to God as a reminder for us, as a reminder for those who would hear us, that God is good, he is active, and Father, Son, and Spirit see us where we are. So in this moment, I'm going to invite you to reflect on what some of the blessings in your life are today, knowing that every good and perfect gift comes from Him. As you think of what it is that you're holding to there, these blessings from God, out of a heart of gratitude, and out of a heart of expectancy, I will lead us in simply praying this prayer. Would you pray with me, please? We praise you, God, because you are the God from whom all blessings flow. We thank you. We thank you for what you have given to us, every good and perfect gift. We ask you to show us what it means to, to steward those gifts well. Allow us to worship you so well in these moments that every creature here and below tunes their hearts to worship you as well. And we are reminded, Father, Son, and Spirit, that we are yours and you are ours. So lead us forward now in the heart of worship, we pray. Amen.
Hey friends, I know that we're in a season where we're all sort of engaging in the worship moment a little bit differently. So regardless of whether you're watching online or through the TV, I want you to know I am so glad that you're here. And my prayer is that Holy Spirit would press in and do something uh, as we lean into the word together today. Uh, over the past two weeks, we've been in the midst of a series called The Heart of Worship. Pastor Sean has done a, a really great job of just taking us deeper into particularly the life of David, who was known for having a heart of worship. And we've explored different facets and, and different parts of his life. We've, we've explored that worship is extravagant love and extreme submission. And we've been able to examine that true worship is an alignment of internal and external expressions, that those things, you know, what, what comes out from inward needs to be expressed outward. And that, that's such an important piece of all of this. Now, last week, we examined a story about David dancing in the streets when the Ark of the Covenant was finally ushered back into the city of Jerusalem. And we saw from David just this willingness to sort of just jump into, to join into a moment of worship with all of his might, with all of his strength, and he worshiped extravagantly. He worshiped passionately, and his response led to greater response to those who were around him. I want to encourage you, if you've missed either of the, the first two sermons in the series, you can go to heritageqc.com and, and get caught up. Uh, it, it's worth checking out and just diving into the life of David. Now today, I actually want to pick up very closely to where Pastor Sean left off last week. And I, I want to consider the question of how. You know, if, if the heart of worship flows into a life of worship, how does that tangibly look uh, before the throne of God? How does that tangibly look before others? And, and how does that tangibly play out in our lives. Now, last week, we were in 2 Samuel chapter 6, and the same story was told in a, a different book of the scriptures. In the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles chapters 15 and 16, it tells the same story, provides some different subtle details, and, and when you read them together, it actually gives some texture to the story. And so I'm going to just pick up the story from 1 Chronicles 15, verse 29, and I'm gonna just continue to move into the next chapter. So listen to this, the word of the Lord says, but as the ark of the Lord's covenant entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window, and when she saw King David skipping about and laughing with joy, she was filled with contempt for him. Right? We, we have that from last week's story, but then we keep moving forward. They brought the ark of God and placed it inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And they presented burnt offerings and peace offerings to God. And when he had finished 
his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And then he gave to every man and woman in all of Israel a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Now, probably need to time out here. I love the generosity, but just give me the bread. Everybody else, you guys can have the raisins and the dates. I'm just saying, right? But, but when we move down to verse 7, and I want you to catch on to this because this really sets up the rest of our time together, where it says, on that day, David gave to Asaph and his fellow Levites this song of thanksgiving to the Lord. And then we are given this doozy of a song written by David, runs from verse 8 all the way to verse 36. I'm not going to be able to cover all of it today, but, but I, I, I want you to know it is so beautiful and it's worth coming back to in your own quiet time with the Lord. But I do want us to just take some snippets because this song is so appropriate and it's, it's a fitting way to close out this series on worship because here is David yet again modeling for us what it looks like to be passionate and devoted worshipers of God. His internal and external expressions are aligned. His internal worship pours out into external praise, pours out into dancing in the street, pours out as generosity and, and handing gifts out to the people of Israel. And it, it also is expressed through the writing of a song. But there is one thing in particular that makes this song special and very relevant for us. And it, it frames the how of worship for us today. David's song is framed with expressions of thanksgiving. My friends, I love that one of David's initial responses to this moment of the ark coming back into Jerusalem, I love that, that it's, it's thanksgiving for him, that it's gratitude for him. I mean, listen to the very beginning of this song, starting in verse eight. It says, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him. Yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exalt in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles, the rulings he has given. Now notice that, that part of David's worshipful expression of thankfulness includes this this idea of memory, right? We, we see it in verse 12. Remember the wonders God has performed. And I think this communicates something really important to us today, that, that to say that gratitude actually reminds us to celebrate God's past faithfulness. And I think that's so important. It's crucial because, because I've noticed something about us as humans, or maybe I shouldn't speak for all of you, but I've noticed something about me that I tend to have a short memory when it comes to God's power, particularly in the midst of a difficult situation, particularly when I come up against a new situation, something that I'm unsure about or looks foggy to me in the future. And I wonder if this is why God continually calls his followers to remember. I wonder if this is why he sets patterns, worship rhythms in place so that his people can remember what he's done. For Israel, this was Passover, right? The, 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 this was the, the major event designed around solidifying corporate memory, 
that it was a call for all Israelites to remember how God miraculously rescued Israel uh, from the, that, that final plague to, to actually lead them, usher them out of slavery and out of Egypt and into freedom. And so on an annual basis, they were asked to just stop and remember. And this rhythm helped to strengthen their resolve for whatever then they would face in the future. Because they looked to the past, they'd be reminded of God's faithfulness and it would give them the courage to step forward. In the New Testament, under Jesus, this looks a little bit different, but we're still called to remember. We think of the Eucharist, communion, the Lord's Supper, this sacrament that serves as a call for the church to just stop and reflect and remember the grace and forgiveness exhibited to Jesus on the cross, to remember the resurrection power that, that Jesus displayed, the strength and the victory exhibited by Jesus on that first Easter morning. This is a built-in rhythm over and over and over designed for us to, to sort of corporately jog our memory about things that God has already done and that this remembrance should lead us, it should well up in gratitude and confidence about what God might be up to in the future. Gratitude helps us remember what God has already accomplished so that we can trust him moving forward. We can trust the journey ahead. But I want to jump back into David's psalm because there is so much more for us here. And let me kind of highlight a few snippets now, just kind of tracing through this psalm. Verse 14, he is the Lord our God. Verse 23, each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Verse 25, great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. Verse 27, honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. Verse 34, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. There is this strong sense that I get from these lyrics from David that, that he's not just interested in remembering the past, even though that's super important, but, but he was also urgently calling Israel to consider God's present goodness. Gratitude for who God is and how God was moving right now in the present and that this would actually help them, help lead them into joy. In fact, the word joy comes up three times in this song from David. Let me say it like this. I think that gratitude for God's present goodness can actually protect our joy, can protect the joy that we should have access to in Jesus. Now, I think this is incredibly important for us to understand. I don't know how many people have said what I'm about to say, but 2020 has been a difficult year, right? I, I just read an article recently that talked through how, you know, if you kind of consider the global misery scale in 2020, that it rivals some of the hardest years in human history. Now, I don't know how you put analytics on that, but I think we can all agree that this has been an emotionally draining year for so many reasons, so many reasons. And many of us find ourselves in this moment just emotionally exhausted, finding that our joy tank is hitting empty again and again. And I wonder if recapturing a sense of gratitude for who God is might be a key in navigating through this exhaustion, in, in navigating through the pain, through these competing emotions, and somehow find our way back into joy. I remember a few years ago, I was 
reading through a sermon written by Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was an American revivalist preacher, lived in the 1700s, was actually a contemporary of John Wesley, and he differentiated between two types of gratitude in this particular sermon that I was reading. He says that there is natural gratitude, what the, these are names that he put on it, and that there is gracious gratitude. And so Edwards went on to suggest, and I thought this was so helpful, that natural gratitude is a gratitude that we have in the good moments of our life, right? That, that it concentrates on receiving blessings, concentrates more maybe on what God has provided for us, which, you know, it makes sense when you consider the name. It's completely natural to generate gratitude and good positive feelings when life is going well, right? When the Cardinals are winning, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And for, for you, maybe when there's margin in your bank account or, or maybe when you complete a successful job at work or, or, or maybe you, you complete a, or maybe you take a great vacation or, or something like that. When, when those things are, are going, that, that it can be really easy to have natural gratitude. But Edwards suggests that this, this natural gratitude is actually easily suffocated by trials, by pain, by struggle. So as an example, a, a year like 2020 could chew up and spit out natural gratitude pretty easy. And so he suggests that we develop what he calls gracious gratitude. That in his mind, this is a deeper and richer form of thankfulness. It gives thanks, not for goods received, but simply gives thanks to God for being God. Gratitude for who he is, his character, his goodness, his love, his mercy, his justice, Natural gratitude might give thanks for the blessings we receive, but, but if left alone, it can quickly devolve into, what have you done for me lately, kind of an attitude. Gracious gratitude gives thanks to God for who he is. And you can begin to see the difference here, right? That, that we're, we're not always in life, we're, the world is not always giving us good things. The, the waves that are hitting are not always bringing blessing. Uh, sometimes money is tight. Sometimes relationships are difficult. Most of the time, relationships are difficult. Sometimes perceived blessings are few and far between. And if we're counting on those things for us to be grateful, if we're counting on those things to, for us to even experience joy, then our gratitude and our joy are tenuous at best. But if we're basing our gratitude upon the very character of God, well, we're basing it on something that never ever changes. And while we might not receive everything we wish to receive, friends, that's okay, because God is still good. He's still holy. He's still sovereign. He's still love. Based on our gratitude on the attributes of God, it can, it can help lead us into a sturdy, immovable joy, a sustaining joy that will survive even the worst of times, even 2020. Now, I don't know where each of you are, but I've listened to enough stories over the last couple of months to know that there is heartbreak in our midst. There is pain, there's discouragement, there's weariness, there's anger, there's frustration. Some of you might have experienced all of these things in just the last two hours, I don't know. But what I think we have to resolve as individuals is how our gratitude is informed because I think it will make a difference in how we make it through life's difficult moments. Your health isn't guaranteed, but, but you know what is guaranteed? God's love is everlasting, 
right? Your house may sustain structural damage from a freak summer storm that blows through the area. You know, I think all of us kind of, we had some branches down and, and things happen there. But you know, you know what always holds up under storms? The, 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 the firm and steady faithfulness of God. Your, your income, maybe it's slowed to a trickle because maybe your business has been shut down due to, to COVID restrictions. I don't know, but, but you know what never slows to a trickle? God's power always runs strong and true. Now, natural gratitude, that's not bad, but it should always be coupled with gracious gratitude. Praise God for, for tangible benefits. That's great, but we should also praise God just simply for who he is. And that really helps us lean into a heart of worship. I love how David weaves both what God has done and also who God is into the song of thanksgiving. Again, listen to some of these snippets. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. I was reflecting this week on something that Pastor Sean said, that, that you know, true worship really has to be aligned both internally and externally. And I, I was thinking about, well, how, how do we express gratitude uh, externally? How, how do we go about that? How, what are some tangible ways to express this? And, and so I, I was kind of thinking through this, and my, my thoughts went to Psalm 116. Now, we don't know who wrote this psalm. We, we actually don't know if it was David or not, but my mind went specifically to verses 12 and 13. And, and I love how Eugene Peterson translates this, that you can find this in the message. It says this, what can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? And then it goes on to say, I'll lift high the cup of salvation, a toast to God. Now, I, I love this imagery, right? I, I mean, here the author is wrestling with a pretty good question. What meaningful thing can we give? What meaning, meaningful thing can we offer to a God that could get anything that he wanted? And the author settles on this really interesting idea of just simply raising a glass and giving a toast to God. Now, I, I've been to my fair share of weddings, and I've heard a lot of toasts given. I've, I've kind of went through, you know, the good ones and the bad ones. And, and I, I remember certain ones that may have been difficult to listen to because maybe the speaker was nervous or, you know, they, 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 their words were shaky or whatever. They just didn't know how to write a toast maybe. But then you would glance over at the couple who was receiving this word of blessing and you would see tears welling up in their eyes. And you would recognize that these words, may, maybe the words actually weren't quite as important as the sentiment and the relational journey that was built up behind these words, and that there was something special that was happening in that moment. So I wonder if today or this week or maybe even Thursday before your Thanksgiving meal, whatever that looks like for you this year, maybe as a tangible external expression of gratitude, we could lift a glass. It doesn't have to be real. It might be a symbolic one just in your hearts, but I wonder if we could lift an authentic, love-filled toast to the Lord, expressing gratitude, not just for what he's done, but expressing gratitude for who he is. And friends, listen, you don't have to be articulate. You don't, you don't have to get all the words right. You can stumble and fumble your way through this thing. But if you offer a toast unto the Lord out of authentic love, it will bless 
the heart of God. It will please him because you will have expressed praise from your heart, a heart of worship. And remember, your response before the Lord can perhaps elicit greater response from those people who watch you worship the Lord with gratefulness and thanksgiving. So listen, you, you may not have a glass with you right now with wherever you're watching from. Uh, I've got one here. It's empty. It may not look as fancy as the glasses that you use for a toast. I'm not a fancy person. But, but here's a glass, and I, I want to raise it on behalf of all of us, and I want to take a swing at offering a toast to the Lord. God the Father, we praise you for your creativity and sustaining power. God the Son, we praise you for your mercy and everlasting love. Holy Spirit, we praise you for your mercy and wisdom and comfort. To our great three-in-one God, may your name ever be praised. May your glory ever shine. May you be forever exalted. May your creation forever sing to you and about you. I toast you, creator, savior, comforter, father, son, spirit. Cheers. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone.
I'm so grateful for the reminder that with Jesus, the best is always yet to come. One of the opportunities that we have together as a church that we're really excited about is the ability to journey through Advent together. You may have seen over the last week that we were inviting you to come to our Bridgepoint location at a Rock Island campus or Bettendorf campus to pick up your Advent kit. If you missed out on that opportunity, don't worry, we're gonna have them available at our Rock Island campus every Sunday and at our Bridgepoint location throughout the week. It is full of great ways for you to interact with your home group, um, with a friend, neighbor, coworker, as a couple, as a family unit, um, just kind of walking through what is important about the Advent season as we prepare our hearts for, for Jesus and that expectancy that is part of what we really want to orient our hearts towards at Christmas. Inside of the kit, you're going to see this candle which says Light of the World on it, which is our theme for Advent. And you're going to want to have this especially if you're interacting with us through TV or in a virtual way because we're going to have a moment in each one of our services where we're going to invite you to interact with this candle. And, and we just, it is our hope and prayer that it is something that continues to unite us when there is so much that is trying to divide us. Know that we continue to pray for you and with you, that God would cultivate a heart of gratitude in you as you respond to him with a heart full of worship. We are so grateful for you and that we are not on this journey alone, but that we are on this journey toward Jesus together. Breakthrough, we serve. 